All right. Here we go. We are absolutely packed. It is so great to have you in here on a Monday. Mike Guido here with you. This is Guido's Gridiron Blitz here on the Chris Landry Football Network. Great to have you in. We are loaded today. Uh, really impactful week uh, in football this week. We're going to be covering a lot of it. I have a lot of stuff going over for the next hour. Uh, so again, I want to thank you for joining us. Just to give you a, a second, a little bit of background on myself. My name is Mike Guido. Uh, I used to, or I, I shouldn't say I used to. Uh, I've done a lot of work for uh, Sports Map Radio uh, over the past year or so. Uh, I used to cover a lot of basketball. <laughs> if it, if it, uh, if it adds a little bit of something, I used to be a draft editor for uh, OTGBasketball.com as well. Uh, I managed a newspaper. I, I've, I've done a lot of things. Uh, within the uh, within the industry, I've uh, done a lot of things in uh, in sports and uh, in football as well. Dallas Cowboy fan here, <laughs> so uh, this is not going to be uh, a fun show for me. So again, uh, that's who I am. This is Guido's Gridiron Blitz. You'll have me Monday and Friday at two o'clock. Uh, so you'll see me every single week. You'll see me twice every week. We'll have people on the show. We'll. Uh, we'll make it fun for you. So uh, here we go. So I do want to begin with this. So the Cowboys lost last night, uh, 38-31 of the Seahawks in Seattle. And I think that, you know, we all kind of expected for them to lose that game. I think we all expected that. We all expected that outcome between Seattle and Dallas. Um, you know, most people pick the Seahawks. And here's the thing, though, and this is my big takeaway from this. Uh, that game yesterday is an exact representation of how I feel about Dak Prescott. It's an exact representation. Okay, here's really the thing about this, and I've said this about Dak for a while now. I've said this about Dak for a long time. Um, the discrepancy in personnel, okay, the discrepancy in personnel with Dak, especially now, and with other quarterbacks in the league, is not, it's not close. Okay, it's not close. And the Cowboys have tried to make everything work around Dak Prescott. They've tried to make everything work. Literally everything. They, they filtered through, uh, through the offensive line. They've uh, added a, an elite running back. Ezekiel Elliott's a top two running back in the league, right? receivers they traded a first round pick for Amari Cooper he's got a great old line it, you know they've filtered through defensive players they even changed their head coach they've changed coordinators they've done I mean they've done everything to try to support Dak Prescott they have over the past four seasons and then some for this year they've done everything to try to to, to cushion Dak right to to give him everything that he needs and this is the argument that I've been making about him for a while. And again, I am not one of those cowboy fans that that dives in and says, "Oh, but Dak, the, these Dak haters, they just don't understand." I'm not one of those. Okay, I like to be very honest about my quarterback because I'm honest about other people's quarterbacks. Okay, like I, I'm very honest about my quarterback. He needs everything to go right in order for him to win games. He needs everything to go right, and, and that's uh, period. He does. So last night, let's dial it back into last night. So again, Cowboys lose 38-31 to Seattle in Seattle. And like I said, most people predicted 
Most people predicted that Seattle was going to win that football game. I predicted that Seattle was going to win that football game. Okay. This is the thing about this. And I, and I've been, again, really honest about that. The discrepancy in personnel between Dallas and Seattle is not close. It's, it's not close. Dallas's personnel on offense is so much better. Okay. They have a far superior roster. Okay, Dallas offensively has the better O-line by a lot. They've got Zeke, who's the better running back by a lot. They've got the better group of wide receivers by a lot. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I am not certain that I would take any receiver on the Seahawks roster over the Cowboys' top three, right? The Cowboys' top three, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. I'm not sure I would take anybody on the Seahawks roster. Tyler Lockett, he's a gadget guy. Okay, I, I'm not sure I would take anybody oh, uh, that the Seahawks have over anybody that, uh, that the Cowboys have at wide receiver. I don't. And the one thing we know about Mike McCarthy, right, is that he's not a bad coach. <laughs> okay. Like, we replaced Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett might have been a bad coach. I have my theory that Jason Garrett was a really, really bad coach. They replaced him. And Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. One of the things that we can confirm about Mike McCarthy is that he's not a bad football coach. He might not be a great football coach, but he he certainly isn't bad. He's good, right? And that's kind of the story on the Cowboys, is that they're good. They're good. And why do you think that is? With great offensive personnel, with filtering coaches, right? They are filtering through coaches. Nobody's problem but they can't consistently find a way to win games. And people have been telling me and I've been see I've been hearing it since yesterday. It's been unbelievable. They've said, "Oh, but Guido, it's it's not Dak's fault. It can't be Dak's fault." I mean, that's crazy. I mean, he played Look at that. 472 yards passing. He was D- Dak Prescott was great yesterday. And then I keep hearing this, too. Uh, Zeke was terrible. Two and a half yards of carry. He was awful. And all. Okay. Okay. Like, listen. This is, uh, again, the personnel on Dak's side is so far superior to that of Russell Wilson. Okay. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. They're good. They're not great. They're, you know, they. it's not like either one of them is outrageously talented, right? Tyler Lockett's a little guy that, you know, runs past everybody. DK Metcalf is this big physical specimen, but he can't really run routes. Like that's, you know, he's got receivers that do a couple of different things, but they're not great. They're just not amazing. He's got a good running game and a bad offensive line. We can confirm that. We can confirm that. Russell Wilson's offensive line is awful it's bad it's bad and that's another thing about the cowboy defense that the fact that they can't get pressure on that offensive line that's a problem in itself but we my point is that we keep making excuses for Dak he's in a contract year he's in a contract year I'm not here to tell you that Dak Prescott isn't good I'm not here to tell you that I'm not here to tell you that Dak Prescott doesn't deserve to be a starting quarterback in this league he does Dak does. He, uh, listen, he's good. I'm never going to tell you that he's awful. He's good. But that's all he is. If he wants to sit there and ask for $40 million, you have to win games like that. 
You have to win games. Not everything. Okay, yeah, Zeke had a bad game. I'm not going to try and convince you otherwise. (laughs) Okay, that was a bad game. 14 carries, 34 yards, two and a half yards of carry. He he couldn't do anything. Zeke was a non-factor last night against Seattle. But that shouldn't matter at times. It shouldn't matter. If Zeke has a bad game, it shouldn't completely derail the Cowboys' chances of winning games. It shouldn't. Your quarterback has to elevate players. I always say that. Okay, something that I've always valued in quarterbacks is whether or not they can elevate the talent around them. And it's very rare in the league. You don't, there are not a lot of players that do it, right? There's not a lot of players that do it. So Russell Wilson does it. Patrick Mahomes does it. It looks like Lamar Jackson can do it, right? Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and guys like that have done it their entire careers. I, listen, up until this year, we thought that Carson Wentz could do it. We saw what he was working with last year at wide receiver. He couldn't do anything, or he couldn't do any. He's not doing anything this year, but he was making plays with him last year for some odd reason. I mean, Dak's not a talent elevator. He's not a talent elevator. So in order to be paid among the talent elevators, you would have to theoretically be one. I think that's pretty simple. I do. I I think it is very simple to me because again, people look at me and they're just like, Oh, but Russell Wilson and Dak, they're not, they're not too far apart. They they keep their own stats in my face, right? Career statistics, right? Russell Wilson is in his career, 65% completion percentage. Dak, he's at like 66. They're roughly around the same pace for the same amount of interceptions and the same amount of touchdowns and the same amount of time. Right. No, but statistically, they're fine. They're they're like this. They're close. It's not close. And last yesterday is a perfect example of why it isn't close. Okay, Russell Wilson is making $35 million. The Seahawks can't afford. The Seahawks can't afford to put a decent roster around Russell Will. They can't build him an offensive line. They've been trying to build him an offensive line since before they paid him, and they can't do it. They can't do it. Jermaine Ifedi was a bust. right? They, they don't draft O-linemen. They don't draft O-linemen well. I mean, they have one solid offensive lineman. Their left tackle, Dwayne Brown, is not awful. But they can't build him anything. Wide receiver, they got lucky with Chris Carson. Chris Carson was a second, a seventh round pick. He was a seventh round pick, and they got lucky with him. Right, their seventh rounder was better than their first rounder. Remember when they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round? I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, Chris Carson's better. Who would have? Who would have thought? Like, it's those kind of things. It's those kind of things that, you know, I just. This is what makes me skeptical about Dak. Really does. Because we're seeing it firsthand with the Seahawks, right? Russell Wilson is finding ways to see it. The Seahawks are 3-0. They're 3-0 through the first three weeks. Russell Wilson's playing like an MVP candidate, right? A lot of people have him number one in the MVP, even though he's never gotten a single MVP vote, which is bizarre to me. But he's favored to win MVP right now. And he's got a nothing roster. On both sides of the football, let's make that clear, right? On defense, it's Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, and that's about it. And they didn't draft Jamal Adams. They drafted a linebacker in the first round this year. 
The Seahawks with early round draft picks usually don't hit. It's the later rounds where they start hitting on guys. I mean, again, the roster is not comparable. And Dak Prescott's not making as much money as Russell Wilson is this year. His roster is far superior. And somehow Russell Wilson finds ways to win that game. Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns yesterday. He threw five touchdowns. To who? To DK? Uh, Jacob Hollister caught, caught a touchdown yesterday. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Dak's going to, though, I always say this. Again, and I, I've I, I almost I do this segment almost every time the Cowboys play the Seahawks because Dak's going to want his money, and I understand that. Dak's going to want his money, but this is the game where you have to win in order to prove that you can get that money. That again, that's just me. That's just me. You, this is the game you got to prove it. This is the contractual parallel that you have to eclipse you have to get past it you got to beat russell wilson or don't get paid your money okay i'm not telling you the deck's bad i'm telling you the dax doesn't deserve 40 million dollars i'm telling you that deck hasn't deserved 40 million dollars this whole idea that oh it isn't about meritocracy in the nfl it's about who's next in line it's the dumbest thing ever and it leads to the death of certain franchises it just does right like jimmy garoppolo was the highest paid quarterback in the nfl for about seven minutes right he was the highest paid quarterback in the nfl he had started in seven games and then kirk cousins oh kirk cousins had to get a bigger contract than jimmy g vikings are 0 three vikings are 0 three and listen, I can admit that I whiffed on Kirk Cousins. I was I was a little higher on Kirk Cousins than most people. But again, this is my big thing. Is that do we realize today? We realize this today, right? The Cowboys are a Falcons typical mistake, right? Cuz that's what that's the brand of the Atlanta Falcons now is they collapse late in games. They did it again yesterday. They muffed an onside kick where they could have collapsed on it earlier than they did because they didn't know the rule but the cowboys are an onside kick like a miracle from the heavens from being zero and three are we this quick to defend dak prescott if the cowboys are zero and three and people that <laughs> they're one and two right now and somehow they're in first place Blows my mind. The NFC East is so ridiculously bad. But are we this quick to defend Dak Prescott if he's 0-3? I don't think we are. I don't think we are. It like it really blows my mind because people say, oh, he, but he he's so late in games. He's so great late in games. Okay. I, listen, he is. He's pretty good late in games. I'll admit it. He's pretty good late in games. You're going to lose more games like that than you're going to win. Okay. The Cowboys go 500 again this year. They're nine and seven. They go eight and eight ish, something around there, which looks exactly what they're kind of headed for, maybe even worse. Then how can the Cowboys justify paying him? 
How can, how can they? I, I just, I don't get it. And listen, we're hearing every excuse in the book, every single excuse in the book where, oh, the defense can't cover their secondary's terrible and Zeke had a bad game. And it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Every listen, if it's one week, I don't care. If it's one week, I don't care. All right. We had a muff week. Every team does. Brady's had muff weeks. I whatever. Okay. Listen, I, I need, I need, not, if, if Amari Cooper's hurt for a week, right? Injuries are bad, right? They're missing their two starting, uh, their two starting tackles on their offensive line. Again, find a way to adjust and find a way to win games. Find a way to adjust and find a way to win games. Okay. Enough about that. Let's get into this. Uh, so. Uh, the Sunday night football game last night, I thought was very, very good. I picked the Saints to win, and I was wrong. Uh, again, shows how much I know about football. <laughs> but uh, listen, here's here's really the 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 big takeaway from this. So the Packers win thirty seven thirty against New Orleans. It was in New Orleans. It was in the Superdome. And um, listen, the pack the Packers are really, really good. They're really good last. They were really good last night. They've been really good for the last three weeks. That they're really good. The Packers right now look like now. I'm again. That's I'm going to emphasize that they look like a top five team in the uh, in the league. They look like a top five NFL team. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he's been fantastic. Their defense is good. Like they're firing on all. So Matt Lafleur and. Aaron Rodgers' relationship, which we questioned last year, looks to be going pretty well, right? I mean, the Packers are good. They're they're a good football team. They're going to end the year as a top 10 NFL team. Here's my big thing, though, and this is something that I am certain, I am certain will get overlooked. And again, nobody else is going to talk about this because I seem to be the only one that cares about it. I seem to be the only one that cares about. It. I don't know how, but I seem to be the only guy that cares about it. And again, I I, I don't know how, but it do, but it does seem that way. The Packers rely on Aaron Rodgers too much. We all know he's great, right? They rely on him too much. Devontae Adams was out last night, and I get that. I get that Devontae Adams was out, and Devontae Adams is probably a top five receiver in the NFL. But here's something again that I know is going to get overlooked. Alan Lazard last night, who is, I guess, credited with being the Packers' number two wide receiver. Alan Lazard last night, undrafted free agent, had six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> he was phenomenal. Uh, really, he was phenomenal last night. I'm not going to take anything away from the kid. A career game last night for Alan, for Alan Lazard. He was dynamite. Outside of him, I want you to keep this in mind. Outside of him, only one other wide receiver, one other player that plays the wide receiver position caught a pass, and it was one catch for five yards. It was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That was it. Alan Lazard had six catches, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling had one. The, The rest of the receptions, the rest of the completed passes for the Packers last night was to either a running back or a tight end. Robert Tanyan had five catches yesterday. Jay Sternberger had a couple of catches yesterday. 
Okay, Mercedes Lewis had that one really great catch. Aaron Jones caught a couple balls out of the backfield. Two wide receivers for the Packers last night caught passes. That's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Okay. I have been saying this for a couple of years, and I said this especially after the NFL draft this year, right? The Packers need to start investing in weapons for Aaron Rodgers. He is getting older. He's 36. Okay, he'll be 37 in December. Aaron Rodgers will be 37 in December. You can't rely on him to be great every single week. You just can't. And he looks, listen, to Aaron's credit, Aaron looks fantastic early this year. Really good numbers this year so far, right? Right. 67% completion percentage. He's got nine touchdowns and no picks. That's Aaron Rodgers so far this year. He's been great. Great. But why do the Packers have to rely on that all the time? I mean, this is what the Packers do. They literally tell Aaron Rodgers every single week, okay, go out there and be unspeakably good every single week. Listen, your top wide receiver might be injured or he'll be out or something, or he'll, he'll be out there, but he'll be the only receiver you really have. The Packers need wide receivers and they've needed wide receivers. They can't constantly rely on Aaron to be phenomenal on a weekly basis. They just can't. This was the critique that I gave them over uh, after the NFL draft. Seven rounds of NFL draft happened, and the Packers did not draft one wide receiver. In a class, and let's remind you, People were saying, a lot of NFL people, a lot of NFL draft people, a lot of scouts, all of these people, they were saying, like, there's going to be 50, 55 wide receivers that are going this draft. There are so many good wide receivers in this draft. So many good ones. They didn't draft one. They didn't draft one. How bizarre is that? The first three picks, and I didn't even hate the Jordan Love pick, right? In the first round, they took Jordan Love, that quarterback, Utah State. I like him. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. If he's developed properly, he'll be a good NFL player. I liked that pick. I predicted that pick. I'll be honest with you. I predicted the Packers were going to take Jordan Love. I thought it was a good fit. I didn't hate that. I really didn't. They go A.J. Dillon in the second round. Okay, Boston College. You know, running back, okay, you got Aaron Jones. I'm not really sure what action A.J. Dillon's going to see. Third round, you take Josiah DeGuara, who's a tight end, and you're just like, okay, when are we going to start making some noise here? Like, When are we going to start seeing a wide receiver go off the board? They just don't invest in the position. They never do. They never do. Last night, two wide receivers. Okay, Alan Lazard's an undrafted free agent. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's a fifth-round pick. They, they, they don't invest in the position. They don't invest premium assets at wide receiver. They just don't because they, they think, and this has been the thing that's plagued them ever since they won the Super Bowl a decade ago. This is the, this is the thing that's been it. Okay, to me, it hasn't been defense. A lot of people say, oh, their defense has been terrible. Okay. I remember last year, right? Last year when when uh, the Packers 
through all that money at all these defensive players, right? Preston Smith, Zadaria Smith, Adrian Amos. They they threw a ton of money at all those guys, and they invested so much of their defense. They used two first-round picks on defensive players. Okay, the Packers' defense was good last year, but it was good the year before. Okay, the Packers had the eighth overall-ranked defense the year before they spent all that money. It was already good. So the issue lies somewhere else. The issue lies somewhere else. And I, again, I've made the argument with the Cowboys, right? The, the Cowboy defense is always spotty. It's always spotty. What's the other reason? What's the other reason they're not winning games? Same thing with the Packers. What's the other reason the Packers are not winning football games? Okay. They won 13-3 last year. They were good. They were good. But when they faced the 49ers, they couldn't compete because the 49ers and what Kyle Shanahan and Aaron Rodgers is miles better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's be honest. Okay. The 49ers had playmakers on offense and the Packers had won. And that's, that's it. That's the difference right there. Okay. Kyle Shanahan found a way to maneuver his offensive talent because again, they invest premium assets. Debo Samuels, a second round pick, right? They invest premium. They invested money. They paid for Tevin Coleman, right? They, they spend premium assets on offense. A lot of these great offensive teams, the, the chiefs, right? Uh, the Cowboys, they, they, they have good offenses. They invest money, draft picks, all of that stuff into offensive players, into offensive playmakers. The Packers don't. That's their issue. That is their issue. And they won last night. And again, they look really good to start. But this is why I say they look right now like a top five team. I don't think they will be by the end of the year. It's not sustainable. It is not sustainable. Now, this year is going to be a little bit different, right? COVID kind of messed everything up. And, you know, you have no idea what teams are going to look like, you know, if rookie quarterbacks are going to be sustainably good or anything like, like it's It's pretty tough. You, you don't really know who's going to look good and who isn't, right? No preseason. There was, you know, limited practices and all that stuff, right? New coaches and, you know, stuff like that. They didn't really get a leg up. They just didn't. Again, I you got to let me remind you that in the Packers case, they've done this forever. There's familiarity in that organization. They're not they didn't hire a new head coach. They didn't they didn't bring in any new offensive players. They didn't do anything like that. There's no struggle here. There's no struggle. But I think the absence of playmakers late in the year is going to make a difference. The lack of playmakers on the outside. Aaron Jones, good running back. But I think that Devontae Adams being their only wide receiver. And listen, maybe Alan Lazard is better than I think he is. <laughs> you know, he had a hell of a game yesterday. Hell of a game. But. Do we really expect Alan Lazard to be reliable for five catches and 80 yards every week? Like, do we really expect guys like that to be reliable options or they're going to be the majority of weeks where they just can't get open? I have a feeling it's going to be the second thing. 
I really do. So I'm a little skeptical on Green Bay. I, I am. I'm a little skeptical on that. And, and and again, they look good. I think their defense is good. Their offensive line's great. Their offensive line's great, right? Aaron looks fantastic. Their running game's good. But the guys catching the football, I think, is going to be a problem. I do. I think it's going to be a problem. And I could be totally wrong on this. But if there is going to be any reason why they don't win a Super Bowl or don't get to a Super Bowl, it is going to be because of this. It is going to be because they don't have the weapons to do so. Period. I think that's I think that's the easy way to look at this so far. Uh, all right. So uh, moving on from the Packers, let's talk about the Saints for a little bit uh, because, you know, they they took the short end of the stick. They're now one and two. People are kind of freaking out. They're saying, oh, the Saints, they're headed downhill. Drew Brees, age is catching up to them. All right. So here's my here's my thoughts on on New Orleans. And it, to me, again, I, I think this is very simple. It is very simple what I think about this, uh, the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees is getting older. Okay, and I'm not taking as much into account the deep ball thing that everybody's making. He can't throw the ball downfield. So what? There's a lot of quarterbacks that can't. Tom Brady can't. You love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that don't throw great deep balls. There's, there's, That's just the fact of the matter. But you love them. I don't. I don't hate that. I, I like Drew Brees, and I think the Saints have taken uh, they've taken a big hit over the past couple of weeks. Again, you got to keep in mind the Saints still put up thirty points last night. The Saints have taken a relatively big hit since Michael Thomas went down. Right when Michael Thomas went down in Week One, we all kind of figured, all right, this passing game is going to be a little bit, you know, it's going to be a little bit different. This. Uh, offense is going to become a little bit one dimensional, right? They're, they're going to run the ball a lot more. And that's really what happened. That's what happened. The, the saints are less effective through the air and they've become a little bit more effective on the ground. Alvin Kamara has had a fantastic last two weeks because they're, they're abusing him. They, they are using him like crazy. They're using Alvin Kamara like crazy. And again, they 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 have to. They they don't have great offensive weapons outside of him because Michael Thomas is injured. So that being said, bringing it back to Drew Brees, when you take away the best weapon on the team, especially for an aging quarterback, it will affect their play. It will affect their play. Okay. Very rarely do you get Aaron Rodgers instance last night where Aaron Rodgers was still great yesterday. Okay. Alan Lazard stepped up and I, I thought, again, the saints made a pretty big move by grabbing Emmanuel Sanders in the, in the off season, just to get that number two, to get that reliable number two. He's never going to be great. Emmanuel Sanders, right? He's older. He's, you know, he's his best days are behind him, but he's a reliable number two wide receiver who could be a possession guy that, and that's what he is. And and I think that works well for them. But people say, oh, but Drew Brees, he's he's nothing without Michael Thomas. So are a lot of these guys, man. <laughs> like, okay, you think Matt Ryan is you think Matt Ryan is really, really good without Julio Jones? Like, do you think honestly, and the, the honest question, I this is I'm not trolling here. 
think Kyler Murray would be fantastic without DeAndre Hopkins. I think Tom Brady in Tampa has been fantastic without Mike Evans or Chris Godwin because they were hurt in separate weeks. No, they, they've been average. Like, that's, that's the reality. Look at Dak Prescott. Right, Dak Prescott without Amari Cooper falls apart. A lot of quarterbacks in this league and a lot of good quarterbacks in this league aren't the same without their number one wide receiver. I don't know how you can expect them to not be. I'm sure I don't know how you could expect them to continue the product. It's foolish. It, it really is. It's foolish. Foolish. <laughs> but it's foolish. It really is. I don't know how you can expect a quarterback to be perfectly fine without his most reliable weapon. Michael Thomas broke records last year, broke records, but let's be honest. And this is the thing that, uh, and a lot of people are using this as the argument now because, and I don't really get why, because I, 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 you know, I should rephrase that. I do get why, but I don't agree with it at all. Actually. Um, they're saying, Oh, well, breeze. He's the guy that's aging. Tom Brady, on the other hand, he is, I mean, he looks like he's, he's, I mean, look at him. He's got zip on his fastball and all that stuff. Okay. First of all, the zip on the fastball thing. No, he doesn't. Tom Brady is throwing a ball kind of slow too. Um, here's the other thing though. Um, Drew Brees over the past three seasons, or actually I should rephrase this over the past four seasons has had a completion percentage of 70% or more in the last three seasons. He's led the league in completion percentage 72% and then 74 and a half percent two years in a row. And Oh, would you look at this through the first three games, 70% once again, Drew Brees, the most accurate thrower of the football in the history of the NFL. And he has stayed that way, even with his old age. Yes. Can you expect a decline in play when the guy's 40? Yeah. <laughs> Does that take away from his greatness? No. Okay. Drew Brees is, yeah. Listen, he doesn't throw the ball as far as he used to. Okay. His fastball is not, you know, he throws 90 now. He doesn't throw 98. Like that, that's Drew Brees. But can I trust Drew Brees to get the ball to my guy accurately? Yes. I don't think that we should take the last two weeks or two and a half weeks without Michael Thomas as a knock on Drew Brees. I think that's crazy. Okay, I really do. I think that's crazy. There is a massive difference between not being able to produce and not being able to produce because you don't have the key guy especially when you're an aging quarterback that has become more reliant on it. Okay. Drew Brees 10 years ago when Marcus Colston was his number one wide receiver, Marcus Colston was never anything super special, right? I mean, Marcus was Marcus Colston ever a top eight or so wide receiver in foot in football. I don't think so. I, I don't think he was ever somebody like that. If, and honestly, if he ever was, if he ever did fall into that category, it was because Drew Brees made him that way. And I think most people agree with that. I really do. I don't think that that's me being outlandish. But the fact that, you know, again, if this was Drew Brees 10 years ago, and again, yeah, Drew Brees wouldn't need Michael Thomas as much as he does now. 
I think it is so unrealistic that we're asking a 40-plus-year-old quarterback to be perfect without a top-three wide receiver in the league. It's loony. It's loony. And can we please – God, I've said this forever. Can we please get rid of the notion that wide receiver or, – or quarterbacks, rather – that quarterbacks don't need help, right? Can we get rid of the, like, great quarterbacks don't need help? All of them do. Okay, I started the show today talking about how everything can't fall apart when uh, uh, everything can't fall apart for the Cowboys when something doesn't go perfectly for Dak Prescott. But I'd be foolish to think that Dak Prescott doesn't need help, right? Like, he's not great if he doesn't need help. Of course he needs help. Now, I don't think Dak Prescott's great, but you kind of understand where I'm going there. It, yeah, I I don't think that being great while not having resources makes you great. I, I don't think that that's the case. I really don't. Okay, because no quarterback does it. Okay, Russell, I, I use Russell Wilson as an example. I don't think Russell Wilson's roster is fantastic, but it certainly isn't putrid. Like. Russell Wilson has two talented young wide receivers on his team, right? They're not fantastic. I'd say they're average to above average wide receivers. They're okay to pretty good. Like, that's what they are. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. That's what they are right now. And DK Metcalf has the potential to turn it to something really special because he's so physically gifted. But, like, quarterbacks need help. If you strip away of it, okay, you can't just you can't put me at wide receiver and expect Russell Wilson to be great. Like you just can't. Okay. I get Drew Brees throws the ball accurately, but it matters who's catching the football. Okay, outside of Emmanuel Sanders, he's got what Trey Quant Smith and I mean Jared Cook's a pretty good tight end, but he's old too. Like let's let's be real. And let's be realistic about you know what some of these guys have as legitimate weapons. Like, let's let's be real about how, you know, like people will say, oh, but he can't win with Emmanuel Sanders. I thought he was supposed to be great. He's 40. Again, that's my point. <laughs> He's 40. Uh, can we please ease up a little bit? Again, I, didn't, I don't want to spend too, too long on Drew Brees. I think the Saints are going to be fine. I really do. I think they're, uh, I think they're going to be fine. But again, uh, you know, they may take a step back, right? Maybe they're not as much of a Super Bowl contender as they were last year. And that's that doesn't mean that I don't think they can't win this. Like, they can win the Super Bowl. The Saints can win a Super Bowl. Like, they're a Super Bowl contender to me. They're still a Super Bowl contender. At one and two, they're still a Super Bowl contender. Because I think if Michael Thomas comes back, and especially in the NFL today where it is, so injury riddled, and it, we'll touch on that a little bit later too. But anything can happen this year in the NFL, especially this year, right? We, we could say that I guess every year, but especially this year in the NFL, where there's so many injuries and there's no preseason, and COVID messed everything up, and you know the virus could screw up a team one week. Like it's just uh, anything could happen this year, especially this year. So. Am I out on the Saints? No, I'm not. I'm not out on the Saints. I, I think it would be foolish to be out on the Saints. I think people are overreacting already to Drew Brees. Uh, obviously, yes, he's getting older. If that's surprising you, then I don't know what to tell you. 
Okay. Drew Brees is getting older. He's been getting older, but he's still incredibly accurate. And yes, he is a little bit more reliant on his wide receivers now than he used to be 10 years ago. Big whoop. Big whoop. Okay. People compare him to Tom Brady. Tom Brady last year was not good. And I don't think it was because of wide receivers. I really don't. I, I am one of the very few people in the world that doesn't think that Tom Brady's struggles last year was because of wide receivers. I don't. I don't think it was because of, if you would have told me that Tom Brady going into last year had Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Muhammad Sanu, and Nikhil Harry, who was a first round pick going into last year at wide receiver, I'd say, okay, that's, you know, about what he usually works with. Oh, they didn't have a tight end. Okay, whatever. He completed 60% of his throws. Drew Brees still, throw, still completing 70% of his throws. It's just, it's not translating to wins. And I think part of that is because Michael Thomas is hurt. And we have to take more of that into account. <sighs> okay. Uh, let's talk quickly about uh, this whole no preseason thing. Because, uh, and I'm only going to spend a couple of minutes on this. But, um. You know, I, I've I've made the argument for a long time that shortening the preseason or um, or I guess completely eliminating the preseason was a really dumb idea, really, really dumb. And that's proving to be the case now. Right. Week two, I think seven players in the NFL tore their ACL on the same day. <laughs> I, I, what do you think contributes to that? OK, the common denominator here is that we don't have. We don't have the preseason, right? We had no preseason games. Practices were shorter, limited contact, all the, right? Because they all needed to follow COVID precautions. They all needed to follow that. They still have to follow COVID precautions during games and stuff and practice, all of that. It Listen, it, 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 it isn't the same. It isn't the same. So doesn't this kind of idea that, uh, you know, shortening the preseason would be like the preseason is less but because yeah, players get hurt in the preseason. You get one or two prominent players that get hurt in the preseason and miss the year. We had seven guys tear their ACL in one week and they, it's not like they were nobodies. Saquon Barkley tore his ACL. <laughs> like I, the giant season is over now. Okay. It may have been over before it would start before it began, but the, the giants might get the number one overall pick because Saquon Barkley got hurt. He didn't have to get hurt. He didn't have to get hurt. This whole no preseason thing is completely debunked. It's debunked. It Goodbye. The argument's gone. The argument is gone. You were wrong. Period. Accept it. You were wrong. There's. It, it is not a viable option. It is just, it's, it's not. Because, and again, this is the, this is, you know, something interesting that I found out about athletes. Um, you know, athletes kind of have to loosen their body a little bit. You, you, surprised, right? <laughs> like you warm up, you do drills, you stretch, and all of that stuff. All that's really important for athletes. Okay. But also playing in scrimmages and, you know, like in baseball, you take live, you know, live batting practice, you go through scrimmages, you do all that. Basketball, same thing. It's the same thing in football. You just, you got to get your reps in. Okay. You got to get your reps. Even if they're, honestly, even if they're at 75%. Get your body moving. Okay. Athletes, their muscles and their, like, uh, everything, their tendons, their everything. It is, like, it's this tight. The tension in them is so crazy. Okay. And what happens? Tight muscles, tight tendons. 
their ability to snap is so much higher. Just like you're pulling on this string. Okay. Okay. You're pulling on a string. If there's a little bit of slack, it's a little bit harder to cut. Right. You're pulling on it like this. Yeah. You could cut it with your finger. Like it's just, I, I, I think that's a relatively simple concept. Athletes need time. They have to loosen their bodies a little bit. Right? Those four preseason games, not only, again, not only does it help organizations and coaches for making key personnel decisions, right? Like, you know, as far as cutting guys, practice squad, like that kind of stuff that not a lot of people take into serious consideration, but it's important. Like, not only does it give organizations some more leeway on that, but it also helps players to refrain from getting injured. Okay. It gives them time to loosen, it gives them time to warm up. Okay. It gives them time to go through the motions and take real hits in the preseason. Okay. I mean, to me, it's pretty simple. This is the common denominator. If you didn't think, if you didn't think that this was going to be expected, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. And there were a lot of people. It wasn't just me. There were a lot of people that saying, listen, this year is going to be a little bit different because there's going to be a lot more injuries. A lot of these guys aren't going to be ready. And like, it's a real thing. Can I explain to you the full-blown science? No, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physical trainer. I'm not a, you know, a physical therapist or any, I, I'm not, I, that's not my profession. I sit in front of a camera in front of a mic and I talk sports out of my mouth. Like that's what I do. Okay. I, I there, it's, there's a real thing behind that. I can't explain it to you, but there is a real thing behind preseason and players getting injured. It's just like, that's, that's real. That's not a fake made up thing. And we're seeing it. it. The results are real. The results are real. So, again, I think that this whole no preseason thing kind of blow, it blows me away. It really does. Uh, okay. Uh, let's get into uh, Monday Night Football. So, Kansas City plays Baltimore. Uh, it's in Baltimore. I, in my eyes, this is your AFC Championship game, folks. This is your AFC Championship game. This game is going to be ridiculous it cancel whatever plans you have okay tell your wife that you can't go to that dinner party tonight because you gotta watch this one this is going to be ridiculously entertaining and it has way more uh i would say meaning behind it than on the surface this is more than just a good football game this is a meaningful football game let me tell you why okay uh, this is a really important football game, especially for Baltimore. Okay, especially for Baltimore. Let me tell you why. Okay, we all understand that Lamar Jackson's great. We all understand that Patrick Mahomes is great. A lot of people think they're one and two in the NFL. I don't. I don't think that. I think Mahomes is one, and Lamar is anywhere between two and five, or three and five. I should say. Russell Wilson's two. Um. We all also think that, you know, we're, we're kind of feeling really good about 
the Ravens' future and the Chiefs' future. Like, we really feel good that those are going to be two powerhouses for a long time. A lot of the reason being because of their quarterback. Um, but here's the thing, and I think this is extremely important to point out, and I think you should know this before the game tonight. There's only two, there's only one team in the NFL, one team in the NFL that has beaten Lamar Jackson as a starter twice. Only one team, one team in the NFL that's beaten the Ravens twice with Lamar Jackson as the starter. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are the only team that have beaten Lamar Jackson twice. Here's what I compare this to. Okay. And again, I don't think it's exactly the same thing, but I do think it's similar. This has very high, in my opinion, a very high probability of becoming Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Like, this is what this feels like. It it could be, you know, I guess as far as, you know, if you go 10, 15 years down the line, this could have the same sort of historical implications. Um, and I don't obviously I don't want to get ahead of myself because I don't want to be that guy that ends up on freezing cold takes. I don't believe in hot takes, by the way. I really don't. I just I care about honest opinions. That's all I really do. Honest opinions and honest analysis. I don't really care about hot takes. Um, but this feels very Manning Brady because and I, I get it in this case, I think it's a little bit different because I think Patrick Mahomes so far, who's on the winning end of this series with Lamar Jackson. I think Mahomes is better than Lamar Jackson. And I'm one of the very few people in the world. And this could, I guess, destroy my credibility. I'll explain this to you one day, but um, I am one of the very few people in the world that thinks that Peyton Manning is a pure quarterback is better than Tom Brady. But okay. I think Mahomes is better than Lamar, but this is again, where I find the similarity Peyton and Brady are both, like definitive Hall of Famers. We can all kind of draw ourselves to that conclusion. They're probably one and two all time in greatest quarterbacks ever. I mean, they're one and two. Like usually if you're discussing greatest quarterbacks ever, it Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are two of the first names that come up, right? Joe Montana gets in there too. And, you know, guys like, but Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady are pretty much one and two in that conversation. Um, but, Brady all like almost always found a way to beat Peyton. Brady always beat Peyton. And again, I don't think that takes away from how great Peyton was, but historically it mattered a lot more. And I'm not going to count the Super Bowl that Peyton won in Denver with uh you know, those crazy offensive weapons and that awesome defense and things like that. I'm not going to count that in this scenario. I, I think it counts towards his legacy, but I'm not going to count it in this scenario, right? <clears throat> I'll count the one Super Bowl because, again, historical relevance, the one Super Bowl that Peyton won in Indianapolis. Peyton won one, and Brady ended up with six Super Bowls. Wins, not just appearances, wins. Peyton had one Super Bowl win and Brady had six. The Ravens don't want to be the one Super Bowl team. They want to be the six Super Bowl team. 
Okay. Patrick Mahomes already has his Super Bowl under his belt. And a lot of people, okay, he's getting paid $500 million. And in my opinion, in order for that to, to pay off, he's only got to win one more Super Bowl because he's, he's puts himself in a group with only like a handful of others, like 12 other quarterbacks that have won more than one Super Bowl in their career. And they're pretty much all Hall of Famers. So I think it would be worth it if he wins one more Super Bowl in his whole career. But again, Mahomes already has that Super Bowl. The Chiefs are already 2-0 and against the Ravens with Lamar Jackson as the starter. We all feel good about Mahomes and Lamar's future. But the reality of this situation is that it is very possible for one of them to be Peyton Manning and one of them to be Tom Brady. It, meaning one of them wins and one of them get, gets over the hump a bunch and the other one struggles to get over the hump. doesn't take away from their greatness, but it does matter for their legacy. It does matter historically. It feels very Brady Payton, very Brady Payton, because listen, when they were both going at it in the 2000s and, you know, they were, I think most people thought that they were the two best quarterbacks in the league, right? For the most part, right? Drew Brees and Brett Favre and guys like that, like threw their names in the hat, but Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were one A and one B. But Brady always got the best of Peyton. And it honestly, not in my eyes, but in, in the majority of people's opinions, it hurt Peyton Manning's legacy because Peyton didn't get to the Super Bowl as many times. He didn't win as many Super Bowl rings. That's what hurt Peyton. That's why a lot of people like Brady over Peyton because Brady used to beat him all the time and Brady's got more rings. And it's, again, it's, it's hard to argue with that. It's really hard to argue with that. Same thing could be happening here with the Chiefs and the Ravens where Lamar right now, he's great, lights the world on fire. Okay, he might be statistically the most electric player in the entire NFL because he can throw for 4,000 yards, complete 65% of his passes, and then run for over 1,000. Like, Lamar's outrageously electric. His offense is ridiculous. But Patrick Mahomes, again, and I I, I don't think it's exactly the same because I think Mahomes is better than Lamar. But Mahomes could always be the guy that outdoes him. Mahomes could always be the guy that wins. And, and again, especially for the Ravens as an organization and the Ravens fan base, that's heartbreaking because you have the revolutionary once-in-a-generation talent that can just that, that can get you to a Super Bowl. And I think that the Ravens, at some point, will win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. I think I'm picking the Ravens to win tonight. I really am. And I th- the Ravens, my, the, my preseason pick for the Super Bowl was the Ravens. I had the Ravens winning the Super Bowl this year. So, and again, they both look outstanding so far to start the season. But when I tell you that this is a crucial game, crucial game this is more than just a monday night football game on in week three okay this is a crucial game for the baltimore ravens i mean it 
this has potentially so much historical relevance. I mean, to to me, I think it, it matters. It just matters. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, I think, I, I do think that the Ravens win tonight. I think Patrick Mahomes has a, a good night, not a great night. I think this Ravens defense is fantastic. They Calais Campbell is a pass rusher, looks fantastic so far. I mean, I, I like the Ravens tonight. I really do. And Lamar's crazy dynamic. But again, the, the thing that makes this game difficult is that if there's any team that's been able to figure out what Lamar does, it's Kansas City. They've beaten him twice. They're the only team in the NFL to do it. So I do pick the Ravens tonight. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Again, cancel your plans. It's <laughs> This is going to be nuts. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely uh, Really crazy game tonight. Um, so I'm going to take, you know, let's let's put a score in here. Let's say Baltimore, Baltimore tonight by, I'll give them a full touchdown. I'm going to say Baltimore wins, I'll go 30, I will go 36, 36 to 28 Baltimore tonight. 36-28. Um, and again, I think it'll be a great game, really wild NFL week this week. Um, it, it is crazy how many players are getting hurt. Tariq Cohen might've torn his ACL yesterday. I mean, that's bizarre for the bears too. Uh, the bears are three and oh, by the way, and they replaced their quarterback. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky went won the first two games and they replaced him in the second half with Nick Foles. And now Nick Foles is going to be starting in week four. Um, but really crazy stuff, uh, really quickly, because you're not going to get me until Friday. Uh, I I'm going to pick the Thursday night game. This is going to be a, um, this is not going to be a very eventful game. The Denver Broncos go to New York to play the jets. This is not going to be an eventful game, not a meaningful game or anything like that, but I am going to pick the jets. I think the jets get off the schneid a little bit. Uh, You know, Darnold cannot be this atrocious forever. I really don't. I don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback for Denver. Losing Drew Locke really hurt. And I'll be honest, I didn't think Denver was going to be that bad of a football team if Drew Locke was healthy. But now that Drew Locke is hurt for the next few weeks, they're going to be bad for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to take the Jets. Uh, I think that this offense for Denver is just not going to be able to produce any points. And personnel-wise, they're better. It's just quarterback Sam Darnold is going to be better as regardless of what you think of him. I like him. I think they're going to stick with him unless, unless the Jets get the number one overall pick. I think the Jets should stick with him and try to build around him. But uh, I, in my eyes, regardless of who Denver puts a quarterback, I think the Jets have the edge there. So listen, I might be foolish, but the Jets are at home. It might not matter that much because there's no fans, but Jets are at home. I like the Jets over the Broncos on Thursday night football to start week four. Oh boy. All right. Uh, great stuff. So, uh, this is Guido's gridiron blitz. You're going to have me Monday and Friday, uh, at two o'clock in the afternoon. So I'll be here twice every week. We'll get guests on the show. A good friend of mine, Denard Walker is going to be joining me, uh, at some point, whether it's later this week or early on next week. Uh, and this is exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be breaking down NFL stuff. We're going to be going through games, all of that stuff. 
Uh, so again, it was a pleasure. I'm Mike Guido. This is Guido's Gridiron Blitz. We will see you on Friday.